Good evening. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. It's a nice weather outside again. We got to uh, clean out our garage a little bit today, and I snapped the snow shovel in half. So we're <laughs> no, no more snow, and I threw the ice scraper on the roof. So if we get more snow, I'm going to need to borrow a shovel and an ice scraper. <laughs> um, we've been in this series called I Am Jesus. Um, it's about all the statements that Jesus made. So it's all the red, red lines in the Bible. So you know it's important. If it's written in red, it's important. And last week, Blake uh, brought the awesome one of uh, I am the good shepherd. And he kind of compared us to sheep. And I was really amazed how close along that I resembled a sheep, you know, because they're... <laughs> uh, some of us smell like sheep. Some of us resemble sheep. But... Um, he, so he talked about that and how, you know, it's impossible to sneak your way into heaven. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be talking a lot about, uh, in John chapter 8, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then I got to thinking about how many times we actually compare uh, light and darkness, because it's in movies. How many people have seen Star Wars? It's a lot of it. I've never seen Star Wars. Not one. I know there's like a hush across the crowd. It's blasphemy, I know. But I have never seen it, so I don't know what I'm missing, so it's okay. But we've actually have a lot of different comparisons of light and darkness, because usually light is good and darkness is bad. Thank you. We see that in the movies and books and fairy tales, and it's in childhood too, because a lot of people are scared of the dark. Uh, how many people were scared of the dark when they were kids? Now, keep your hands up if you're still scared of and you're an adult. My wife has her hand up. I know, I work night shifts, and when I come home late at night, she usually watches one of two channels. It's either Food Network or Lifetime. I can always tell when she's been watching Lifetime, because when I pull into Burlington, it's all dark, and there's just like this one lone beacon coming over the hill. <laughs> And when I pull up to our house, every single light is on in the house. I'm talking about closet lights, the basement lights. I'm like, if you're scared of dark, why are you going to the basement? Like, that's the one place I'd be like, I'm not going down there. But every light. So as I get home, I got to go through and flip all the lights off. And I can't really associate with that because ever since I was young, I used to walk, I used to live in Grants Lake, Kentucky, which is like Hickville. You know, there's no street lights. And we used to walk those street, like those light, those roads late at night me and my friend we would sneak out of his room we wouldn't do nothing bad at that point but <laughs> but we would just walk the street light you know just to walk the lights and then we would um, use the moon as our light we wouldn't take flashlights or nothing and it was pitch dark when you get out on those country roads and then we would even camp out sometimes we would uh, you know pitch a tent build our own fire and I was fine except <laughs> I know if there's country people in here how many people have heard a screech owl? That is the most horrifying noise that you could potentially ever hear. We've, uh, you know, we'd be camping, and all of a sudden a screech owl would be in a, a branch above us, and it sounds like a little child screaming at the top of their lungs. And this is usually like four in the morning. And, you're, <laughs> and you walk up, and you're like, oh, my Lord, there's somebody being murdered right outside the tent. And so we would just take off running down to a, my friend's house. 
Um, so I can, I guess I can associate, you know, the fear, you know, when you guys, when little kids are scared of the dark, you know, they'll, my daughter always asks me, will you shut the closet? And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's fine. I know monsters probably can't open closet doors, even though yours don't lock and it slides open and shut. <laughs> but I, I mean, from when we we're kids, we're just, we associate everything. Darkness is bad, light's good. And in the scripture, it, it kind of keeps that same message. You know, Jesus talks about, I'm the light. And in the Genesis, he says, you know, let there be light. And then Satan is referred to as prince of darkness. And somebody, I hope somebody's, anybody cars out there? <laughs> the, um, have you put my first slide up there, Pete? The light versus dark? Ah. Oh, it was a gift. I didn't even know. I thought it was just a picture. That's awesome. Okay, but the, the main verse that we're going to be following is John chapter 8. And it's the second slide, Pete. And it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, that, that's a pretty profound statement um, when you think about it. And what a lot of us take the mistake in doing is, what does light mean? And then what do we follow where light comes from? And that's kind of, kind of hard to understand, but I had an epiphany earlier this week. I was out playing with the kids on Thursday, and we were in Fort Thomas at a park, and we were all out, and we were hiking and just playing on the slides and stuff, and I got stuck like maybe three times, but I was able to get out. And we were all very thirsty, so we were like, you know, where are we going to go to get something to drink? And Grace kept wanting to go to this water fountain, and I'm like, gross, no, that's where darkness is, no, stay away from those water fountains. And so we actually go to a mayor stop, and we all get slush puppies. Has anybody been really thirsty, like dying of thirst, and you get a slush puppy? Oh, <laughs> the first thing you do, you start chugging it. And then what happens later? You get this, ah, my head! And you're just like, oh, I'm still so thirsty, though. And so you finally wait, and you're like telling everybody to shut up, like, just don't talk right now, because like, if I do this, and I put the tongue on the roof of my mouth, that pain will just go away. And then I start chugging it again, because I'm still thirsty. And, then, and so that's kind of what, the, that's what it is. You know, I'm putting all my trust of that thirstiness in, in, that, in that slush puppy, but it's got a dark side, because if you drink it too fast, you're going to have a mind-splitting headache. And I truly believe that's what hell's going to be like, is you're going to have that slush puppy headache forever, and you can't get rid of it. Can you imagine that? Oh, that's horrible. But on a more serious note, a lot of these people do that. They'll, they'll start worshiping the creation instead of the creator, and then you start getting into idol worship. And you don't think about it, that we don't, we, you think that idol worship don't exist today, but it does. You know, it's, it's no longer like a little golden lamb, but people worship their job, People worship money. I mean, there's so many people that chase the dollar. And um, some people worship your significant other. Um, and this is kind of where uh, Jesus pulls out this I am statement to come from because he used a story of an adulterous woman that we're going to uh, look at. And it's actually at the beginning of John chapter 8. But we're going to break it down into three different parts. And it's going to be into the law, the love, and the light. And the first one is the law is we start to learn that the law shines light on our guilt. How many people have a story about the law where they were just 
dead to right guilty. And it usually probably involves like a traffic ticket or something. I know when I was growing up, I had a cousin named Billy, and he had this 71 Nova, and this thing was like a super muscle car. This thing was a beast. And we were on the back roads down in Alexandria, and we were flying down these roads, and we hit this patch of gravel, and we started sliding, and we took out this guy's mailbox. Boom! Just <laughs> nailed it. Man went flying everywhere, and, there, and the worst part, he was mowing his grass at the time. <laughs> so he watched the whole thing. So we're sitting there, and his, his car still got that blah, 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 you know, like an old Nova. And he's like, should I just take off? And I'm like, I don't know, man. This, this guy looks pretty mad. We should just maybe stick around, help him put the post back in, and we'll get on our way. And while we're trying to decide, he's like, no, I want to take off. While we're trying to decide, the guy parks his, his uh, lawnmower right in front of our car. And I'm like, that's weird. And he comes up, and he says, you know, he rolls down his window, and he's like, can I have your license? And I'm like, this guy is, way, <laughs> this guy is doing this way too often. And it turns out that was a state trooper <laughs> that we drilled. And so we were like, oh, we're dead. And so before you know it, like eight cops show up at the house. And that's like, that's like SWAT team out in Alexandria because they don't have that many cops down there. And so we're, we're just dead to rights, and we end up having to uh, pay the guy the money for the mailbox and actually help dig it up and, and everything. But we were just dead to rights guilty. And so we're going to learn in this story in John chapter 8 where the Pharisees actually catch a woman in adultery. And so it's in John chapter 8, verse 2, and it goes, At dawn he appeared again in temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought into a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And we go on to learn that the law does not lead to redemption. Instead, it leads to condemnation, because that's what it's there for. And the Pharisees were actually trying to use this story, and they, they found this woman, and they were trying to basically trap Jesus. Because A, if he says, yes, go on and stone this woman, he's no longer viewed as a loving God, or as a, as a, a loving teacher. But if he says no he'd be going against the law of Moses. And so they're, they're kind of using them as a, as a trap. Uh, this poor woman, she's, you know, most likely standing there. You know, she was just caught in, the, in adultery, and she's, I, mean, I can imagine she's got her face down, and she's just full of guilt. I mean, she's dead to rights. And when you come to think about it, we need to see ourselves as sinners. How many people have broken any Ten Commandments? I know this is not a good question to raise your hand. How many people have lied? Raise your hand. Now, anybody that doesn't have their, their hand up, look at them and call them a big fat liar because you're, you're lying right now in church. Uh, but we're all liars, thieves, and, and I'm sure some of us lust it. But why is this important? And what it is is before we, we see ourselves as sinners, we won't see our need for a Savior. Because if we think about ourselves as being good, we can get into heaven without Jesus, right? Because if we're doing nothing bad and nothing wrong, why do we need a Savior? But the truth is, is we're not good in the eyes of God. But the law reveals our guilt. Um, the woman was guilty for adultery, but the love reveals God's grace. And so the story continues, uh, John 8 and verse 6, and it says, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, 
Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I'm going to pause there. And, he, you know, the Pharisees are actually talking to him, and Jesus is straight ignoring them. And he starts writing on the ground. And it doesn't really say that we know what he wrote on the ground, but there has uh, been later documents to say that most likely Jesus is writing down the accuser's sins that they had no idea with. You know, and I'm sure they're like, uh-oh, that's me. You know, he just wrote down my name and all the sins I'm doing. And then it picks up. At this, those who heard it began to go away at one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And I wonder why the, why the old ones went away first. Am I thinking maybe they sinned more? I don't know. Or maybe they were like, you know, I'm hitting the road before this gets out of hand because I know where this is going. But when you look at it, you can see the sins of urgency that Jesus is using. He's saying, go now. Uh, Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. And so if you think about it, you put yourself in that situation. He's saying, go now and leave your sense of self-hatred or leave your sense of addiction or leave your sense of drunkenness or adultery or lustfulness and apply that. Put yourself into that story. And Jesus is saying, go now. Don't sin no more. He's not saying, go now and try not to sin anymore. Does he say that? No, he doesn't say that. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. Um, and what the Pharisees are actually doing is something that we do every day, is it's easy to pick apart the, uh, the sins of others, but then it's real easy to ignore our own. And we do that every day. It's so easy to be like, you know what? Well, so-and-so, you know, they sin like crazy, and, but I don't do that. I'm burning up. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is hot in here. Uh, but then we learned, we, need, we learned that the love reveals God's grace. That the love reveals God's grace. And so you have this, this poor woman's darkest day. She's full of guilt. Uh, she's standing in front of him. And then Jesus shows her mercy. Um, has anybody ever just been dead to right guilty and then shown mercy? I was trying to think back in my life, and there's a couple different instances that I could have used, but the one that I kind of forgot about fits perfect into this is at one point before um, I met Jeff, and or after I met Jeff, I had some dark days in my life where I kind of went against what the church was teaching, and I was living a not-so-good life. And I was working at this warehouse down in uh, Wilder, Kentucky, and we played fantasy football. Has anybody got any fantasy football players in here? Like two. <laughs> well, fantasy football, it's, uh, you, it, it's really addicting. And it, you basically use real-life stats of professional football players, and then you build your own team and you play against people in the same league. So we were doing this down in the uh, this warehouse, and I must have made this guy really mad because we do a lot of trash talking. Guys, we, t- we trash talk a lot. And I must have been really ruthless with this guy, and uh, I didn't realize it. So then fast forward 15 years later, I'm going back down there just to pick something up. 
And as I'm walking out, I get pushed from behind. And I'm thinking, I still don't know a lot of guys down there, so I'm laughing. And this guy wanted to fight me, like straight up. He was ready to throw down. And I'm like carrying this box of 50-pound potatoes on my shoulder. And I'm like, who are you? First of all, you must have some mistake because I don't know who you are. And he's like, yeah, you're John White. And I'm like, all right, you do know who I am, but <laughs> I still don't know who you are. And he goes on to recite, well, back 19... 19- 99 when we were playing fantasy football you know you did this this and this and I'm like this is like 2012 (laughs) and I must have hurt this guy's pride and so I actually left and I didn't know what to say to him and I got in the car and I was driving back and you know what I was like you know what I need to write this wrong so I turned around and I swallowed my pride and I went back down to the warehouse and I called up the guy and I said I called my buddy up the front and I said hey call this guy up here and when he heard about that, when he heard his name get called and was like, hey, John's up here to see you, he thought I was going to fight him. So he comes out even more mad. He's like all puffed up, and I'm, and I'm just like, oh, man. And so I finally called the guy down, and I said, look, I said, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what I said. I'm sure it was bad because it really made you mad, and I just want to apologize. That's not the way I am. I'm a changed man. Um, and I went into, you know, I go to church, and I met Jesus Christ, and he changed my life, and he made me a new creation. And you became in contact with the old John, and I apologized because apparently he was a jerk. <laughs> and then, and I said, you know, and I held up my hand, and the guy shook it, and he actually talked to me for like 10 minutes, and he was just like, I w- you know, I've been carrying that around for so long, and I was so mad, you know, but it felt good just to get that forgiveness from him because I was like, what if I wouldn't have known, <laughs> like, if I wouldn't have met this guy, and I'm out with my family eating at a Chinese restaurant, and this guy just walks up and punches me in the face. Because he remember, he knew what I looked like. Apparently, I had no idea that I did that to him. But he showed me grace. I mean, he gave me, he, he carried around 15 years of just resentment and anger. And then, if you guys ever watch Billy Madison, where the guy like, takes his name off the list of like, people I'm going to kill later, I seriously thought, like, I, like, I avoided that. Like, I could see my, my name being scratched out, and I was like, oh, whew. But that, that's what it was like. I, I was guilty, and I, I probably deserved every, every bit of anger that this guy was going to get, because I'm pretty sure when, I, when I'm trash talking, I can... I used to be really good. I'm not that good anymore, because I'm, I'm a changed man. I'm a, but, <laughs> but back then, I'm sure I'd give it to him good. But we need to look back uh, right after that story, because that's what Jesus did for this, for this lady. He actually you know, said, you know, those with you, you know, without sin, cast the first stone after he's written all these in the ground, and this woman's probably standing there with her, her head down, and most likely she might be nude because he was, she was caught in the act of adultery, and they grabbed her and pulled her out, and they, and they got her, you know, just standing out in the middle of this, this street. But then Jesus shows her, shows her forgiveness and compassion, and, you know, that's what he does for us every day, and then that's where he leads up with the verse that we had in the very beginning in John eight twelve. When it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And when it comes to find out, the next is the light reveals our hope. And if you need to personalize this message, Chris, you guys can come up. You missed your cue. (laughs) Don't mean to call call you out. But... um, Take yourself and, and, and put yourself into this message. You need to personalize this. And 
make the light of the world, Jesus making the light of your world, because that's what he did for that woman that day, is he actually, you know, became the light of her world. And then by God's grace, what you've done in your past is not going to change what you were made to become. You know, what God wants in your life. Whatever you did in your past, it's not going to change that. It's not going to be like, well, I wanted you to do this, and I wanted you to aspire to do this, and this is what I created you for. But since you went out and did that junk, you know, back before you knew me, it's over. It's done. He's not saying that. He's saying, whatever you did in your past, it's in the past. And when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Because that's where those, those lies come from when they're saying, hey, you're not good enough to do this. You know, you, don't you remember last week when you were using God's name in vain? You think he wants you to, like, be with him? That's, that, that's not God. That's Satan. That's the prince of darkness. That's him whispering those in the ear. And when he reminds you of your past, just think, I read Revelation. <laughs> I know what's going to happen to you. You remind him of his future. And there's, there's so many things that, that we need to do in our life that I'm sure a lot of people have come through those doors where you've been facing the darkness. You know, some people have the darkness of just fear and doubt of what's going to happen next in your life. You know, the winter's gone, summer's coming up, and we got vacations coming up, and our bank account's depleted. And you're at your last drop of money. And you have no idea. And you just feel like your, your world's falling apart. You know, the reality, when you just think about money all the time, just money, 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 you're putting your focus in the light of money instead of Jesus, where he says, I'm the light of the world. And that's what I was talking about before, when you need to reevaluate where your focus is in life. Because if you think about all it's money, or I'm here to please uh, my significant other, and this church stuff can wait. Or that's just, we're just going to leave that for Sunday. It's not for all time. God's saying, no, I don't want you to be lukewarm. You might drink lukewarm water. It's nasty. God wants all of you. And as I finish up here, there's different ways to respond tonight. Um, one, the altar's always open. If you have a decision to make tonight, or you're just saying, you know, I've, I've been making some dumb decisions in my life. If you're me back in the day when I was playing fantasy football, come up here on the altar and leave those up here. It, it's something special just to come up here and actually be able to uh, get down on your hands and knees and pray. Because it's easy to do it from your seat. But when you make that motion to come up here and do it, and actually leave whatever you have, let that burden come off your shoulders and leave it at the foot of the cross on this altar up here. This is where your life is altered. Use this, this altar to alter your life. We have that. And we also have uh, communion on both sides here. Um, all that is is just remembering what Jesus did for us um, so long ago. So if you want to take, take part in that, do it as a family or as a group. It's fantastic. And we also have offering buckets up here. If you fell... Um, led to give financially I urge you to do that and we also have two clear boxes out there they call that the dollar club 
what that's really cool is all we're, all we're asking is if you just have a dollar in your pocket and you want to drop it in there, all those proceeds, 100%, go to help a, a family in need in our community here. Uh, one experiment that I have to give for you, it's most likely for parents, but it can also be for, for anybody that's a teenager, is extend that act of forgiveness out. Even though one person doesn't deserve it at all, think of the one person that just gets on your nerves every day where you're just like, I don't even want to go into work because I know Bob's going to be there and I can't stand Bob because, you know, he's done me wrong in the past. Give that act of forgiveness out. And then when they say, why would you do this? Relate it back to the story of God and how he's here to forgive you no matter what. If, you, if you're a parent and your kids, you know how like when they know they've done something wrong, where it's like, oh, I'm going to get a beating now for sure. Instead say, you know what, I'm going to skip over that. You're off. You're scot-free. You've done wrong, but I'm going to give you forgiveness. And then lastly, if, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, I beg you to, uh, to write that tonight. You can talk to uh, me, you can talk to Jim, you got Chris, Chris up here. We'll all be happy to uh, talk to anybody about, about doing that. If you bow your heads, we can pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful, beautiful weather outside. Lord, we've missed shorts. And we are just rejoicing in the, in the time that we had to actually put them on today and get outside. And Lord, I just, I just thank you for the, uh, the love of, you, of your son, that he died on the cross for our sins. Lord, if anybody's walking in darkness tonight, help guide them to see the light of your word that they know that they can put their your trust in you and you can take away all the sins all the guilt and you can smack the accuser from whispering in their ear away from them just so they can understand that it's all about your love and your walk with you but we just thank you once again for the saving blood of Jesus Christ